This is MTG Action 4 News, your new scene for keeping things fresh in the multiverse. I'm Mr. Comedy Number 5, providing you new ways to lose your friends. Then we have Big Tuck, your breaking news source. Yes, and as I'm uh, known to say, whenever some bastard says, you're going to pay one for that? <laughs> you, ta- you, no. ta- you talking to me? You, are you talking to me? Is that a Robert De Niro face? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's more of a face than a voice, but, you know, this is a visual <laughs> medium. <laughs> Squeamy getting caught up on meta traffic with Weatherlight Report. Oh, I'm bringing you the beat on the street. Then we have the head of CMD and Tower himself. Uh, uh. Well, Mr. T just threw at us back trying out for Macadian Madness in March. It's, it's the best we had. I, I, know, I really so. liked it. I We're really trying here, it. guys. We're trying. Thank you for tuning into your number six source of Magic the Gathering News. We're excited to be nominated for a... What is that? I th- I think we have a winner hey! of our marches. Oh man, you scared me. I thought the police were here. Oh, they are, because I'm too sexy for these pajama pants. Uh, <laughs> so we're uh, we're we're very happy. Uh, yes, we finally did figure out what the giveaway is after <laughs> every Bruise and Builds episode. It was something different. Uh, you are getting a Time Spiral bundle, believe yeah! it or not, yeah! from level one, plus some CMD Tower playmats and sleeves. Congratulations. Oh, I guess I should probably say who it is. Lemony Lenny. Yeah, our boy. Oh, our number Mr. one. Lemony. The, the man who, the man who, the man who potentially we could raid his work, quote unquote, and walk away with a bunch of magic products. In right. theory, that could happen. Well. So anyways, uh, thanks for being a patron. Thanks for being a supporter. Thanks for always uh, being active in the Discord. Uh, We really appreciate it. And of course, everyone out there in the collective, uh, just share the content that we produce or join our patron to get even more additional entries so you can figure out how you can win some awesome prizes. And may the time-shifted foils be with you. Emmercruel, mtgcca.org org yeah. i believe guys uh go vote for us we've been nominated for multiple categories uh obviously we wouldn't even get nominated if it weren't for you guys doing the nominations but you know we we would like to hang one of those emmy cruels up and like we've committed if we win even a single emmy cruel we will get emmy cruels made for all the patron discord collective. Yes. now now what 100%. if what if they came out with a new category that was worst podcast and we won. That's fine. It's, it's like a Razzie. That's we'll still that's still a win. That is still yeah. a win. That means we did I, so bad that it, it upset enough people to go and vote for us. I, I like that. There's no there's there's no such thing as bad press. There's no such thing as a loss when you win uh, something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Bad, bad press might might be a thing. You know, if you get press for I don't know murdering a school filled with children, that might not be something you want your name attached. As, as opposed to a school filled with leprechauns. Or adults, which would be a college, college. <laughs> <laughs> or doggy daycare, right. it's dog school. Oh, oh, there we go. Now we're yeah, talking. Oh, that man, that's even darker. Yikes! Wow. Well, maybe not. I don't know. We're what? off the rails here. <laughs> we're going to start off the top of the castle, ladies, and carnage that ensued with forty-five. So I, I got a game to talk about. Yeah. Um, it was for to be Dan. He came out of the woodwork. Out of hiding. MTG Lord of Leaves and Spencer Rabbits. Oof. We oh. sat down. 
Uh, Freddy B. Dan is playing Rael. Spencer Rabbits is playing Zerus. And I'm going to be frank. Uh, oh, and I was playing Grevin. Um, I don't even remember what MTG Lord of Leaves was playing because honestly, he was irrelevant most of the game because I made very poor threat assessment. <laughs> yes. On turn five, I could kill someone with Grevin. And no one had blockers. And well, because he has menace, so it's yeah, just right. only it doesn't, one. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, and at first, I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna roll the dice, see who dies." I feel bad; it's very early. You know, we ended up starting 45 minutes late. You know, I didn't want to be an asshole. And then Sir Brian has the balls to say, "Only cowards, cowards way out," and just kept calling me a coward, and it really hurt my feelings. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so I quit and left. Um, oh, just no. kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, what I decided to do was kill Spencer Rabbits. Uh, so, and the biggest reason why is like, I saw what Dan was doing with Rael, and the guys, if you aren't familiar, Rael's that is it commander, gets plus one, plus O oh for each incident sorcery uh, in exile and your graveyard, I believe, or it might just be graveyard. And then whenever you discard a card, you get to draw a card. Right. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Effects, you, you draw double the amount of cards. She's a, myth, she's a uh, mythic, if I remember correctly, correct? Uh, possibly, possibly. Okay. And so... I saw what he was doing and I was like, okay, it's cute. I have enough life still and I have menace and it's not like he's playing a lot of creatures. So I should be able to still kill him fairly efficiently. Right. What I didn't realize. And so, you know, I went ahead and killed Spencer rabbits. Cause I was like, look out of everyone here, he could get the most snakes and I can't deal with a go wide board. Right. I need a fluffy or tall board. So, Killed off Spencer Rabbits. I felt like at the time I made the right decision. And boy, was boy, I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> because let me tell you, Freddie B. Dan would do things where he'd play like a sorcery that says like, uh, target creature deals its power to up to four uh, targets. And then with that on the stack, he would wheel with like uh, the creature that sacks wheels, Magus of the Wheel. Yeah, right. And so, you know, he just did like a cool... I mean, it's not command damage, but it was like a cool like 14 damage, 15 damage to like my face, Brian's mm -hmm. face. She's just uh, casual. Yeah, creatures. really casually. And I got to say this. It was fun. And the most hilarious part is because Frenemy Dan got to the point to where he there weren't enough targets on the board or opponents so he had to start targeting him himself so he could do the spells but he started having to deal damage to himself to be able to deal damage to brian and myself uh, and our creatures and we ended up losing and you know spencer was a champ and kind of hung out as long as he could but I, he seriously got to play for like 15 minutes oh, when he was dead that's i think the game lasted yeah. 45 50 minutes so it for me it was the perfect length of magic I just wish I would have known that that's what was going to yeah. happen and it was going to get that out of control because hey, hey, I look, definitely would have killed In all Dan. fairness, I would call it a bit of a Rube Goldberg machine. When you got to start targeting yourself, that means it's not really going the way you want it. But maybe, that's fair. maybe it that's is. Fair. So, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe you just couldn't see that coming. And Zerus can once Zerus once the Zerus train gets going, it don't stop. So it's also yeah. like that. That to me is like kill on sight. So I feel like you made the right choice, oh, and you can suck it. Yeah, and then of course afterwards, Brian's like, "Yeah, I knew that was coming because I've played a deck like this before." Squee McGee, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, we're uh, we're hot on Squeeze prospecting card of the week. So uh, was looking through Yield Binder last night, trying to think. You know what? 
what's moving, what's not moving, what what could be good, what could be bad that I've got. Uh, out of you old box of gold, had to bring it up. We'll do it again. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, Great. So today we're talking about damping field. So very interesting card. Uh, players may not untap. Wait, that's really small. I need my glasses. Whoa! Bit reverse. Yeah, exactly. How's it feel? Glasses. So there's that. Uh, it reads: It's an enchantment for three, and it reads: Players may not untap more than one artifact during each of their untap phases. So you know, it, it could see some fringe plays. Some some Wait, is that all? Is that all? It, use. Is that all it says? Because I feel like there might be more on the card. Well, you know, you might just be right. I'm not sure. There is, so there is nothing that says who this is from so i'm just so yeah it's been, we should have like a wheel of we should have like a wheel of accents <laughs> all right no no what it should be is if it's not quoted by someone you have to read it in either morgan freeman's voice which is god or james earl jones wow i don't know if i have the moxie to do either of those I was gonna say. Give a shot yeah eventually mages alert wait no it's not calm enough how does morgan freeman sound so calm when he talks the player Will Jame any game with anyone? Okay. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Eventually, yeah. mages learn to harness the power, natural damping fields, and use it for their own ends. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm so, no Morgan Freeman. I'm I'm only a, a staunch 5'11", weigh about a buck sixty. Don't have the pipes. So, you know? okay, I think I, I think I have the solution for this in the in the future. So we currently have eleven identified accents. So I think what we should do is we should just throw it in a random number generator, and that's the one you have to go with. All right, I like it. Woof. I really wanted to read that. So if you look at the artwork of this card, it is, as far as I can tell, a man shying away from a very small knife. Yes. Going into what looks like a red Mario portal. Um, <laughs> so I, th I figured that he kind of sounded like a, a weak man. It's not a very big knife. And if all sure. the things in magic, they can attack you. That's not really the scariest. So he's probably like, eventually mages learn to harness the power of natural dynamic fields and use it to arch their own ends. But what we were actually talking about is the price of this card, which is redonkulous. I'd say about a couple weeks ago, it was sitting in the range of... You know, eight, ten, eleven bucks is from antiquity, so it's old. Uh, it is on the reserve list, so it is a piece of magic history, which can't beat that tends to have an effect here. But since, let's see, on if I'm looking at MTG stocks right now, as of February eighth, this card was thirteen fifty seven. As of today, in good condition, it is going at close to ninety five dollars for like a near mint or lightly played card. The only ones that are cheaper are like the like moderately and heavily played, but anything in good shape is sitting at like eighty to ninety dollars. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. People are still losing their minds over the reserve list. Keep going, guys. Keep it going. This is great. I really enjoy it. just every once in a while looking at a card in the binder and be like, oh, I put that in there because it was a couple bucks and then find out it's a hundred. See, I don't want it to keep going because you know what's gonna happen is we all do this. You pay money for something. And then it, in theory, drops in value or you need to sell it and you want to at least get what you put into it. And I think with the reserve list buying, people are going to buy these cards for $90 and then it's going to drop down to 50, like level out eventually. And they're going to say, well, I can't sell it. I have to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. Right, because it might go back up. Because it might go back up and then it will go back up because there is no right. uh, inventory, but then no one's ever going to sell it. Right. It's going to turn into like a GameStop stock. And then, and then eventually like, it's just 
this guy gets sold to another local game shop who's just going to hold on to it and then someone's going to get it at a lower price then sell it to another local game shop and all these cards so this is i think like i don't know i'm over the reserve list i'm only buying new cards that's it well i'll say well, this since i already own these and barely paid for them i would love to see it keep going this is yeah, beautiful. of course you barely paid for them you son of a bitch <laughs> we get it <laughs> All right, Tuck. What card do you got? What uh, card? What games do you have? Maybe if you stop you organizing your, your cards right now, <laughs> you wouldn't make such sort of flubs. Uh, I, so I luckily got to play uh, with Mr. Bebs on his stream on Tuesday. It's probably going to be the last Mr. stream Bebs, I do with not him. Mr. Bubs. No, not sure Mr. Bubs. Mr. Mr. Bubs has been a very bad boy and had to go get him one of those like toilet seat cushions so he can't get it himself. But that's a longer story. Um, so I got to play with Mr. Bebs um, and a couple of new guys. Um, BT Game Night, I think, was one of them. And then Andy, who was part of CNC Power Hour. Really enjoyed playing with them. Um, Mr. Bebs played his Ural Mistalker deck. And I thought I was playing my crappy Boros Angels deck, which I'm like 90% sure I'm going to take apart. And nothing really happened until the end of the game. And I had this okay. incredible setup where I politicked to the board. One guy, Andy, was playing that one new snake that generates a bunch of snakes. And he was swinging. Zerus? No, no, no. The legendary one from Kalheim. Um, Koma. Uh, I'll say legendary? You mean Zerus? Koma. <laughs> Koma, the snake. Got him. And it was a cool deck. Um, so he was swinging in for lethal, and he was at five life. And I was like, okay. I th just give me another turn, right? And then you and I can just do this old-fashioned style. And I had him down to... I, I had him going on it, and then he counted up. He's like, I can just kill everyone no matter what. Um, and then... Ooh. Yeah, so that's fine. So then he came in, and I was like, all right, fine. To save the table, I will do this. And I cast Aurelius Fury, which is a card we talked about, where it's an X, red, white, and you can deal damage divided up to what X is. So I was like, ha, okay. you're dead. And then I get to live another day and like maybe went on some Voltron decks. Then some ding-dong in the chat gave him five life. <laughs> he gave him five life. Who was that so ding-dong? I don't know. I, I can't remember. I think it was someone on the, from the CNC Power Hour. Um, so that was fun. You could say you got ding dong ditched. I did. It was very. I was very upset. Um, and then uh, Bevers ended up winning that game. Uh, Euro, his, his Euro deck was awesome. And then the second game, um, I played Queen Marquesa, and BTG played a typical Rias build and cast doubling season, and then we just like let him win because it was like it was arch enemy and it was like way past time and i could have board wiped and maybe come back but it's just like not the juice was 100 percent not worth the squeeze so congratulations another reese deck out in the wild uh yeah just just like to see how unique those decks can be and uh how they all operate wildly <laughs> different from one another so Oh, we'll, we'll chat about your decks and how unique but, a lot of them are. But it was it was very fun to play with them, um, and I will not. That was my last game I'm playing with them in Kansas City. So, all right. Well, that's gonna wrap up Forty Life in a Dash. Now to cover what's going on in your local multiverse. What's the plane chase? What is up, everybody? Uh, this week we're rounding it out. We're doing the last player persona profile game style type whatever you want to call it uh we're, we're doing the last one that we at least have preset here and we'll get into it later about you know some other ideas for things but uh this week we are talking about the player and i'm player not talking player. like get dressed up go to the club take home a bunch of girls i'm talking about the nerd hey, Squee, what, magic what, what's player. a club 
what, what is what, yeah, is what does this mean? club you speak of? Uh, it's a place where you take your vaccine card, you go and you get overly drunk <laughs> for way too much money. You hit on girls that don't really like you, and then you usually go home and just hang out. So, our, if or we're not, you get hit on by girls that you don't really like. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's a vicious worse. cycle. If we're not talking about that, then are we in fact talking about the 1992 neo noir, the player starting, uh, uh, starting Tim Robbins? That's a take on uh, how vapid Hollywood is. Um, no, but it could translate here. It's a really good movie. Anyway, so the player, I would assume everybody assumes they're a player, right? But this player in particular is somebody that will play a game with anyone, anytime, with whatever deck they have, just because they enjoy the game. They may not win. They may not lose. They're not purposely going to sabotage their deck. They're going to try and come out, play a good game, have their deck do its thing. But quite honestly, they could sit down at a a CEDH pod, have a deck of like a six or a seven. And they're going to go into that game, have a blast with it, probably get just absolutely murdered, but they're going to try and do their thing. Um, So I I wouldn't necessarily translate this into like the chaos player because they're not going to be stupid moves. They're going to try and advance their board state forwards instead of just giving somebody else the game. It may be a mixture of some of the other players there, and we'll, we'll get into that as well. But I like this kind of player. I think this is the the player if I I don't know, I I see myself as this a lot because I I really like playing games and just seeing everybody's decks work. And at the same rate, I don't have a ton of really high powered decks. I have a few, but but I do enjoy playing my mid range decks or just kind of whatever I think would interact really fun with the board. Um, But other than, you know, the the 48 turns in a row, I sit tight. I'd like my board to do something. so I got a couple questions written up here. We're going to start out with the first one. I want Mr. Combo to go first on this one. So let's hypothetically say you are a player. That is a compliment on your looks as well as your play style. Uh, he is wearing a polo. Yep, it looks great. Polo, I am. polo and pajama pants. I like it. It's a good look. Yeah. Uh, so you sit down at a pod that way overpowers your deck. You, you cannot turn away because you want to play the game. Everybody's in the same room. You're like, yeah, let's jam a magic game. I don't really care what you got. How do you approach the game knowing that your deck's really underpowered, you still want to play it kind of like your deck would function, but without just getting, you know, pub stomped and kicked out of that game with like three or four turns because everybody else's game or board state is kind of terrifying and their decks are built to do that? Well, honestly, so the funny thing is that literally happened in that 40 life and a dash when i sat down with greven <laughs> greven is a solid six right it is yeah. not a high powered deck but it can just kill you out of nowhere and you know i've played against spencer rabbit's uh Zerus deck before it's basically a copy of mine with a few tweaks so it's mm-hmm. very very good uh clearly i said i didn't judge <laughs> rael the best i could uh so that was a strong deck um and you know MTG Lord of Leaves always builds good decks. Now, I memory serves correct. He kind of got land screwed mm. during that game. So I believe, you know, if he would have had lands, he could have done more. Um, but, you know, what I try to do is when I sit down and I'm like, oh, man, I'm surrounded by scary things. Make sure my quote unquote answers are used as wisely as possible. Mm hmm. And leveraging turn order is very big. Um, And what I mean that in terms of when priority passes, because if you are the player sitting down at a table with a bunch of higher power decks than yourself, 
your deck only has so many answers. Yep. You don't want to speak out of turn. So if it goes me, Big Tuck, Squee McGee, Mr. T, Big Tuck casts a thing that's like, oh, that's going to screw me. I need to shut the hell up, let it go to Squee, then Mr. T before I open my mouth and say I can do something. Right. Because right. everyone has answers. But me being the lower powered deck at the table, I need to save them for the right spot. And if other players find it a threat as well, let's have them make that answer so I'm not having to do it and waste mine. And then lastly, from a concentration perspective, focus all your attacks on one player. And that's yeah. literally what I did with Grevin. Like, oh, I could kill someone. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm gonna kill Spitzer Rabbits. <laughs> oh, I can never do anything again. Oh, well. Yeah. But if I could have, I probably then would have gone at Dan and all in. Um, and that's why, you know, sometimes like I kind of tick people off when I'm playing my Esha deck in our play group, because even if I hit you for two, well, then I'm gonna hit you for 10 next yeah. turn. And it's like, <laughs> why are you doing that? And it's like, because my deck, is it's just it, i need to just hit, streamline into that and that's the way voltron works right and i think a the player probably operates their deck a lot like a voltron player where i gotta stack all my stuff against this one person because you know what i'm probably not gonna win the game but if i at least kill one person yeah, that's at least a right. singular victory for me yeah and, and i think that that embodies the player really well like the way what you just said you know i'm not going to kill everybody i'm probably not going to win the game but my deck is going to function really well against you, and I'm going to use it that way. Uh, Tuck, I'm curious, as a bit of player yourself, what do you feel? You need to be the quietest person at the table, right? Like, yeah. you don't have the yeah. chips to be the politician. You right. don't have, You mm -hmm. don't probably have the deck or the means to be the chaos bringer, and you're certainly not nor, the arch enemy. Want to, generally. Right, exactly, yeah, because that'll deter your deck, and if, de if your deck is only, you know, a six or whatever scale, it probably doesn't have a lot of good answers to, like, insanity chaos if someone else goes around that. So I think, you know, let the other people kind of dictate the flow of the game. And to Mr. Combo's point, I, I don't think that means you just sit there and don't do anything or sit there and play politic with your or solitaire with your deck. I think you just kind of really have to learn how to read the table well and start, you know, if you can see that this person's going like you can see that it's slowly turning where it's going to be like these two guys are going at it because of whatever perceived, right. you know, emotional baggage or what's actually going on that in the game exist, yeah. everyone wants to kill me yeah, exactly <laughs> you kind of let you kind of like let, let them run out, run it out and kind of maybe pull, try to play them off of each other a little bit while you try to figure out how you can maybe knock out one of the other people that is kind of struggling kind of running behind a little bit um so yeah so i think this is you know the the rarest of the four that we've talked about um especially in like the groups that we play in where people have been playing for a while and have like pretty established decks sure. um, and play styles. So yeah, I think just kind of really assessing the area, kind of keeping your lips shut, not trying to make a bunch of politics, not trying to make any crazy moves and just try to get your deck to play the way you, you want it to or the way it's supposed to operate. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's important to note, just to add on at the end there, your mindset going into this, because I'm, I'm not always a player, but every once in a while I'll sit down at a pod where I'm like, man, I'm just, yep. <laughs> I'm really screwed here, but I want to see what Reese can do, right? Let's let's see what Reese can do against some really, really high-powered, fast-moving decks. Just, like, I think there was a time that Squee, you sat down when we were doing a CEDH game and tried to, tried to do that. Yeah, sure did. And uh, it went really well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I won the game. All aces. Yeah, Every no card problems. I played was a banger. Hit, yeah, uh, hit all your card draws that you needed. The board. It was so simple, so easy. Um, but but a lot of it is your mentality into that. Because when you sit down to those games, I knew I wasn't going to win. I knew I wasn't going yeah. to 
do a lot on the board. I could have effects here and there that could be major at the end of the game or affect things, but I still wanted to do them to see how my deck functioned because it's almost like a learning experience. I think the player also likes to learn as they play, so you play higher power decks to be like, okay, maybe I need XYZ type of removal next time, or maybe I need this. You can use it as building blocks too. Um, so that's kind of how I see that too, is sure. go into those games trying to learn or trying to figure out what could make your deck potentially get to those points. And maybe you don't want to add those cards in, but at least you'll know if you did, this is the strategy that I've learned that I need to have available to play against really high powered decks. Um, okay. So the second thing I wanted to talk about, we're flipping the tables around. You're playing at a high power plot pod. Let's say it's, it's Mr. Combo, big tuck myself, Mr. T. Uh, I just show up to this game, Mr. Combo, big tuck, Mr. T are playing all tens or all nine and a halfs, whatever. Doing really, really well. For you all Inches sitting, long. Yeah. For you all sitting. Oh, boy. A man can dream. Yeah. Let the man, for, let the man dream. Competitive monsters sitting at this table. Would you prefer, and I'm actually curious about this, I probably don't have a whole lot of input on this question, I'm more asking this because I don't really play this style much, but would you prefer, if you're playing at a CDH deck, and you have a fourth person in the room that wants to join in the game, you don't have anybody else, they don't have a great deck, would you prefer they join the game, play with you all, and potentially kind of disrupt the flow of this CEDH game, or would you rather just sit out, play a three-pod, or, or even wait and find another competitive deck to play in that game. So we'll start with you, Big Tuck. Um, this is a tough one. So I, when I played like these people, when I played with these sort of players before, I am okay with it um, generally because I think just because you have a super strong deck or like a super good build, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fire every single time, right? You might have, you might have some, Mm -hmm. you might have some stutters up front. Um, But what I do, especially if I, if, if I can tell it's like, okay, one guy's really trying to grind this one guy really wants this win, you know, that's one thing. But I think what I try to do is if I see that, like, Oh, I can have this insanely explosive start and like wipe the table. I might like, intentionally not play the most banging card I have or might intentionally not board wipe when it makes the most sense just to let the other person kind of like play their deck out. Um, and I think it just kind of comes down to the idea of if you're, if you want to win, you can't really do that. But if you're just trying to have a fun game that that's more doable. And I think the, the analogies that I could see there is like, especially if you're like streaming, like on Mr. Bev's, I feel like, there's always one or two people who have really strong decks and it, it, they may, and I can't speak for others, but like there's been times where I'm like, Oh, I could do this, but that kind of screws this other person who's like off to a slower start. Or maybe like they're trying to do deck out. So I'm just going to hold back the full wrath of my brutal monster and see what happens. I see the disdain. In yeah. I was going to say, I, I knew as soon as this came to it, we were going to have the complete opposite opinion. So Mr. Collin, right. go right in. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to answer the question verbatim. Am I happy to see someone that doesn't match up to try and play? Honestly, I could care less. Uh, do I prefer to be a more powerful player? Also could care less. Uh, as long as here, here's, here's my stance initially, because here's, here's more where I get annoyed. 
people that sit down and people have stronger decks and they sit and complain about how their deck's not as good as everyone else's deck at the table and I just want to strangle them or in real life cast murder on their soul. <laughs> so as long as they don't complain, let's jam. Yeah. So my, my whole thing to is jam. I don't, I don't, I don't know the reason they're sitting down at the table. Now, if literally we're like in an empty prison yard and it's only three people and this person shows up in oh, their deck. That's a whole yeah. new style. Prison yard. Yeah, now. prison yard. Prison rules. Prison rules. Um, yeah, do you have to get your uh, hunter card deck tattooed yeah. on your body. Yep. Uh, you randomly toss a knife up in the air, just put your body out, whatever it lands in, that's what you cast. Uh, God, that got dark real quick. Yeah, no so, uh, what, what, when, it's, when it's that open, like literally it's an empty room, well, they don't have a choice. Outside of that, they're making a choice to sit down at the pod. And typically, not people in our play group, you know, people out in the collective, because I played a lot of games two weekends ago now with the collective. Um, they said, what is the power level we're playing? Mm -hmm. So if you are sitting down actively asking what the power level is, the people tell you, and then you choose to stay, you need to take the decks as is. Mm -hmm. I will say this, Tuck, to your point, if they're off to a slower start, I may not target the person, so I'm not going to disenchant yeah. their soul ring and they're stuck on one land. Sure. Um, that's just a jerk move. But if I have an overloaded Vandal Blast and that's going to help me because it's also taking care of these other opponents. Sorry, homie. I'm sorry you're stuck at one land. Yeah. Uh, you're just going to have to deal yeah, with that's how it be. what my deck wants to do. And I think what that does is it helps Magic players learn. We've all been pub stomped at some point in our Magic career. And you know what? You didn't just take away boo-boos and, and butt hurts from it. You took away knowledge. You took away lessons on, you know what? These are gaps that I have in my magic handbook. Or you're like, I never want to sit at that kind of table again. Now I right. know what kind of tables to yeah. avoid. Mm -hmm. So that's where if a person's sitting down and they're like, oh, I'm playing <clears throat> Recon and it's like me, Forrest and Dustin or Murph. And we all got our like, you know, uh, Thrasios, Vile Smasher yeah. and Timna the Weaver and whatever. Yeah, it's like, whatever Civic deck, whatever Civic deck Forrest chooses to play that day, right? <laughs> yeah, Tatiova. And, and if the person's like, okay, well, I still want to sit down with my pre-con Civic deck it's like okay like that's yeah. fine like you understand what you're getting into right. um and it's on you to make those judgments so long story short could i care if it's a least powered or more powerful player absolutely not just don't complain once you've learned what the playing field is yeah i, I like that i tend to agree i think as a player, you need to know, and you need to also brush up on your cliches during and after the game. Watch sports. You'll figure it out, because you're going to get pub stomped in these kind of games. So just want to, you know, after the game, be like, look, I just want to take it one game at a time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, just happy, yeah, happy, happy, to, happy, state. happy to get uh, some happy to get some reps in, you know. I think we'll yeah, get them next know, time. We'll get them know, on the playoffs. You know. we're, we're not looking too far ahead here. We're going to make some changes oh in the, the coming weeks. And uh, with a couple of roster changes, maybe we can put it together and come out with a victory. So, third question. We're talking about building your stable of decks here now. So, as a player... 
I think it would be ideal for you. Say you you're taking. We're gonna say five decks here. So you you have five decks. You carry it with them when you play. Take them to the card shop. Take them to whatever uh, group you want to play with or pod. And you go and you sit down at a table. You want to have a range of decks that are going to be available for people. But it's gonna be kind of specific because I also think as a player, you may not necessarily want to have like any super weak decks because they're just not gonna perform. So like, how do you build that? range of those and and maybe we'll throw in a caveat i didn't throw this in there initially so sorry but a caveat of you're trying to play on a modest budget right you're not you're not buying super expensive couple hundred dollar cards land well, son of a bitch uh, 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 <laughs> find another table yeah so let's say you're playing on a modest modest budget how do you build a range of decks out of five that you think will be competitive in almost any scenario where you could sit down in a pod and say, hey, what are you guys playing? All right, I'll play this. It may be a little underpowered, but it's not going to be too far away. Or you can sit down at a pod that's weaker and not have just a bunch of overpowered crap, but you still want to have fun with it. Um, so let's start with you, Combo. I mean, what's your general strategy here? How would you build out your stable if you only had five decks in a modest budget? Well, that's kind of where it throws my whole answer off. So uh -oh. ignore the modest budget part. Okay. Uh, and it, it's, it, it, it's not. It's, <laughs> I did add that. Of course. So, so here's more the way I look at it. And I, I build what I want and what I find interesting. I do not see on the face beaks or the dees keeks or, or the, the ridiks. Um, I, I don't see, ooh, uh, Tegrid. It could be the CEDH commander and like you steal everyone's shit and here's how you do it. Like, okay, cool. Well, that's not interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, extra turns, Vile Smasher random damage. I thought that was actually kind of hilarious. So let me build that. So I think, and, and you know, as you guys all know, I have now more decks than Big Tuck. Uh, possibly, I'm at... 35? I still have 40. 36? No, even with, okay. even with paring down, I think I have 40 on the nose. <laughs> wow. So It's a long process. Yeah. And, and I do this because I like to have a little bit of variety. But if I'm going to be limited to five, I would still lean to more streamlined decks because of the card collection I have gathered. Mm -hmm. If I did not have a card collection, then I think the second thing would be what themes interest me and they could be weird thematic stuff like I tried to build Selenia Dark Angel for over two years and then I finally figured it out and it's a it's a good deck I was able to make a good one but it's not some like OP'd all the reserve list nonsense in there I just built what I felt was interesting and so I think if I was limited to five decks build what you want build with the collection you have and if you mm -hmm. have an expansive collection and you got Gaia's Cradles and Mana Crypts and stuff like that's not like a having expensive cards is not like some black eye that when you sit down with someone they're like oh point of finger you smell like dog doo doo like go to hell like you know i either you know I either that does have happen in real life by the way <laughs> yeah oh, i believe i've said that and on multiple occasions that exact phrase see the first game and everybody was like well this game's over i was like it only taps for one mana I know. And so it, th that's the thing is like, it's either you have the income to buy it, 
you got it as a youngin, mm-hmm. probably cracked it out of the pack, which if you did that, that would be amazing. Right. I'd love to hear that story. Uh, or you got it for cheaper. Like I was able to get my guy's cradles for like 200 bucks a pop. Now they're like a thousand dollars. I wouldn't pay a thousand dollars for it. So that's the way I would approach it. And Build notice you didn't you say want. you find a box of gold online either. Off. Uh, <laughs> yes, I made you use your bleep this episode. So build what you want, build with what you have available, build what your income, sorry, spare income allows you right. to do, and just enjoy it. Yeah. Like, who cares if you like to build incredibly weird uh, homilid tribes? Or if you the want classics. to build a. A super tuned Najila deck. If you have the means to do it and that's what you enjoy doing, then do it. You know, I really don't have much else to say about that because that's kind of exactly how I already do things and it feels about right. Like, I like building around scenes I enjoy. If I happen to find a box of gold, I'll put the cards in the deck, but I'm not going to go to the Ah, store and spend a bunch of money on them. I mean, that's only, what, three or four times this episode? We'll get there. We'll get to 10. We, we might. It's... You did make mention of Reese earlier, so that was good. So we already got yeah. that checkbox. Yeah. I'm going to start doing a challenge like they did in Super Troopers where you got to say meow a whole bunch at the stop, you know? Just start sneaking you just gotta in there. You got to work it into Reese? Yeah. <laughs> well, on to the next bit, Reese. Uh... <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good way to look at it. I would generally, in this hypothetical scenario build decks that have a pretty good range between five and ten i don't think i'd come with any pre-cons or anything that are lower because it's really really hard to run any efficient or at least fun to play strategy with a deck that that's underpowered um so if you're between five and ten maybe you have a five you have a seven you have an eight you have a nine and then you know once you get into those ten ranges say you have the cards build them great if you don't it may be a little expensive or tough to build but at the same rate, that's kind of situational. Uh, Tuck, do you have anything extra on that? Um, the only thing I'd add is I think you, if you're kind of new-ish to the game and you don't have a giant collection, I think something that a uh, friend of the show, Marketing Ross, did, does a really good job of. It's uh, Rocketing Moss. Rocketing Moss, correct. Sorry. I know that's his preferred nomenclature. Um, I think something that kind of can help you is like choosing commanders that aren't, that are powerful, but maybe like not in the top hundred decks played of all times right i think if you find you can find these like kind of edge commanders like griswold for him is a really good example right like when i saw him play his griswold deck i was like i have no idea what that is and not frankly i don't care because i'm sure someone else is playing something that's more powerful and then it turns out like he built that i think mostly with cards he had and like a little bit of budget and it's a super strong deck so i think it's kind of like insurance choosing more off the beaten path commanders that may follow a strategy or theme that you really enjoy to your point mr combo kind of helps you not like slink in the background like the art of the steel but doesn't make you like you're not going to show up with a zerd deck and then people are like oh my god and you're like no 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 no, it's this like weird yeah. it's this weird you know cycling or, or whatever there so i think choosing a powerful unique um and not as popular commander can really go a long ways when you're when you're building like your first five to ten decks yeah i would agree all right i got one last question this is to the collective this is to big tuck and mr combo these are my profiles and I would like your feedback. Um, you know, we finally made it to the end. We've gone through the four that I had initially come up with. I am sure there are a bunch of other player styles out there. Uh, I don't know what they are. I haven't thought that far into it, but I'm open to your feedback because I think we can continue this bit, keep going forward. So collective, 
put it out there on Twitter, put it out there via email. You know, that's my preferred uh, method of contact. Put it out there in the Discord, send me a message, whatever you got to do. Do all of that. Uh, Mr. Combo, do you have anything outside of this? Do you think that we've nailed most of the types of players you're going to see out there? Do you think there's other ones out there as well that, that are kind of fringe cases? So I think there's others, but I think it's going to go a little bit away from the actual game mm-hmm. and more into the side game that is the interactions mm-hmm. with people. So I have three that I came up with, and I don't know what Big Tug is doing. He keeps going dark, then light, then dark. I mean, no, he's it's doing like no, it. It's from the bit from show. earlier. Remember, because the cheat was turning the light on and off. No, the problem is I need to go turn on the light in my room. So if I go to a website that's really dark, it doesn't pick it up, and then it just drops me. So, <laughs> you, Do you not have a so, light in your room? No, I just didn't want to go up and turn it on yet. So maybe I'll just do that right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I got three, and I'll really elongate this out while we're waiting for Big Tuck to get back with his headphones. And three, two, one, here he is. Uh, so the three that I got for you, Squee, I got the distraction... The player at the table, and I will say when uh, Mr. Combo's wet, I become uh-huh. the distraction. Oh, for where sure. You just start talking about random stuff. You start talking over people. You're like, even if it is magic related, it's not related to the game. Yep. Um, yeah. People are like trying to think through their thought processes, and Sir Nathan's like, STFU, Mr. Combo, <laughs> just go away. So there's the distraction player. Okay. There's the blinger. So these would be the players yeah, I like, like oh, that God, kid yeah. at Magic Fest KC. Oh, look at my cards. They're all so bling. Yeah, I wear, oh, I played this $1,000 guy. I got to wear, wear my sunglasses to look at my cards, man. But that I still kid. put yep. them in a $11 pack of sleeves. Yep. So the players that spend an excessive amount of money on their deck and they won't shut up about it. Now, I think I now I will say because I'm one that likes to blink decks. I think it's cool if you just got a new one in your mail and you're like, "Oh guys, look at this new card I got." But you, then you don't have to follow it up with and it costs a thousand dollars. Just say, "Hey, I got yeah, this." Cool and is this for every card you play that game as well. <laughs> yes. Uh and then the mismatched. So these would be the player that has white bordered Black bordered, rectangular border, oh, rounded no. border. You could almost Their say the, the Kyle. <laughs> yep. Their yeah, deck's they're, upside, they're down. Yeah, yeah. Upside, <laughs> upside down, left, oh. right. Yeah, they shuffle, they bridge, they bridge shuffle them. <laughs> they, they have a mix of like near mint and barely readable cards. <laughs> um, and yes, I am pointing at you in vacations. So uh, I think those should be three that they don't really have anything to do with the actual playing the game, but they still kind of do right. in essence. You're going to see them. You're going to hear about it. It's going to be visceral. So uh, did you like, was this right after a long look in the mirror session or something? Because aren't you this? <laughs> aren't you all three of these? <laughs> on what deck play? I'm not the mismatched. I'm not the mismatched player. Two out of three. Not bad. I, not bad. I, I, pl- I, play, I play match lands and the blinger. I don't talk about, hey, guys, look at this $800 soul ring I bought. No, but you are like, like, let me shove this Game of Thrones deck in your face like the wallet and family guy. <laughs> but that, that's not a blinger deck. That is it kind of is. Cards. And it's mismatched because you can't read. Hey, you don't hey, know what hey, any hey, of them hey. do. Let's save this fuel. This sounds like something great for later on. These, I do agree. I will agree. All three of these exist, though. And yeah, I, 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 I've also probably been guilty of all three of these as well. So the ye, you, took. Um, there's uh, there's definitely more, right? But I think the idea is 
I like the conciseness of the first four just because I think that they describe, they adequately and in-depth describe tropes and trends that you see very commonly. And I yep. think more, most importantly, they also kind of help someone define how they like to play, right? Like, um, if I, if like, obviously I'm the politician, right? Like more times than not. So it's fun to think, yes. it's fun to think through and be like, Oh, like this is my play style. How can I interact? How can I play to this uh, style that I like by adding more cards at Monarch or will the council or whatever the case may be there. Um, so I, I think like the first four kind of gave a really good base of understanding of how the most major styles at a table you'll likely see. Cool. Well, yep. there you have it, Collective. Give us your ideas. If you got other player styles, throw them out there. We'll uh, we'll continue this later. With that, okay, get back to Mr. Combo. Well, that's going to wrap up. What's the plane chase? Now in that last segment, Squee dives into those creative juices with the Weatherland. And, and with that, I'm going to kick it right back to Squee. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, welcome back to the Weatherlight Report. Coming to you live from Weatherlight Chopper. That's five. Cinco, if you uh, speak Spanish. Um, it's a beautiful Weatherlight. Or sorry, it's a beautiful Weatherlight Chopper. It's. I'm gonna repaint it soon. I don't know what colors. Think about that, y'all. Get back to me. Uh, he got gonna... that sixty percent, sixty uh, month, zero uh, percent financing on it. <laughs> oh, I, I sure did. I financed Mister... about four houses worth. It's great from Mistress from Mistress uh, Used Copper Emporium. This, it's only my second one. I'm still financing Weatherlight Chopper Four. Haven't paid that off yet. Unfortunately, insurance didn't cover it when you crash it yourself. Who knew? Um, <laughs> yeah, I just have that uh, car dealer commercial. Like just a short drive. Ah, thirty-five. <laughs> just a short flight. Yes. Ooh, gotta, gas up the, gotta gas up the chopper. Yeah, well, uh, today we're doing mono again. Don't worry, Tuck. You won't have a conniption, Mr. Combo. I'm still really, really, really sad you missed last week's Weatherlight Report. It he's, was, he's not. It was not. something for the ages, and I wish you were there I'm sorry, Adam. to be upset. Or sorry, Lowry. <laughs> He wasn't there. Yeah, it's his fault that we got so wet. That you should be. You, you should not be. <laughs> Wait, I thought. I thought. I thought he eventually joined back. No, in. no. For like, he we didn't. Re, we redid the whole thing. Yeah, and then he was like, "Sorry, guys, I just figured it out." So it's not an "I'm sorry, Lowry." It's like this is your own damn fault, Lowry. Also, collective. I did not realize y'all were going to be so excited about us getting lit. Yeah, Man, drenched, we sloppy, drenched. Well, as I made mention before. We got a little tangent on our wetness. Oh, that sounded dirty. Um, we're going mono black this week. I'm Nixilis Unshackled. So, oh, yeah. colorless two black. Love this card. A rare legendary creature demon flying trample. Whenever an opponent searches his or her library, that player sacrifices a creature and loses 10 life. I repeat, loses 10 life. Oof. And then whenever another creature dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Obnixilis Unshackled. Does not have flavor text. It simply says, designed by Brad Muir. Roll pal Brad. Four, four. This is very interesting. So I was, and I, I struggled mightily to find mono black cards that support this that didn't cost a whole lot of money. There are some. We're going to get to them. And this could be a lot of fun. And the other thing to note on this deck this is whenever they search. So if somebody cracks the fetch land, if somebody does anything else on the oh, other yeah. side of the board, once your commander is out, and it, it is a it's a beefy mana cost to get him out there, but once he's out and they do this, 
they really, really got to think about it. You're not going to go and tutor something that takes you two turns because you're going to lose a quarter of your life. And so it's probably mid to late game by the time he's out there. So there's a lot of fun that can happen with this. And then the plus one, plus one counter thing on a flying trample guy is kind of gross. Yeah. Um, so the first time I ever saw this card, it was when Mr. Combo was first getting back into magic. I can't remember, you were playing some deck. So we were playing with Scooty Shuffles and Scooty Shuffles played this card and read through it. And I think Mr. Combo was doing something else. And then he got back to his turn. He's like, okay, I'm gonna like, oh, you're playing Karametra. So you're like, I'm gonna play a creature. I'm gonna get a land. I'm gonna play another creature. I'm gonna get a land. And I remember Sco Scooter was completely quiet and just was going like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Big Tuck is counting on his fingers right now. Oh yeah, now. again, not a, not playing to a visual <laughs> medium here. So yes, uh, I like this card a lot. So I'm excited to see what uh, what you dug up for it. Well, yeah, I really like it. I run it in one or two decks, and I will say it is a card. Once it resolves, puts the whole table on tilt. Yep. Oh yeah, for which sure. Is interesting because it is only search your library so it's not like you're tutoring every turn right it's just the fact of if you need to tutor sack a creature and lose 10 life to do that tutor right uh, feels... even though you may only tutor once the entire game right so yeah. it is funny because it is one that draws hate but i think it draws hate for no reason unless you're in a deck that wants to do that thing very much like a uh, opposition agent mm -hmm. yeah and and one other interesting thing, I think it does draw some hate too for its second ability whenever another creature dies, which is not stipulated on him doing anything to that creature. If somebody's playing a sack deck or somebody swings out with a bunch of creatures, Obnixilus gets really, really big really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, so say somebody sacks out five or ten creatures, you're looking at a 10-10 flying trample commander and that's pretty yeah. scary he's a big, um, he's not a big to mention boy. his first ability makes people lose creatures so uh let's dive into it i'm gonna start with the most meat and potatoes thing it is not a mana only land but it is a land uh we're talking about field of ruin so regular land comes in taps for a colorless or waste i believe as that is written there which is a waste of space uh, <laughs> it has two taps sacrifice field of ruin destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls each player searches oh. his or her library for a basic land card and puts it onto the battlefield then shuffles his or her library that feels pretty yeah good. that's incredible <laughs> especially because it's not a may like that's wild when you think yeah. about it right like you have yeah. to do this basically think of it this way eight mana you get rid of a non-basic land, lose 30 life, get rid of three creatures. Yeah, That's what that is. so good. I would, if that was stapled on a sorcery, I would probably play oh, that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Eight mana, it's only two mana. But you also... No, because I'm also counting your commander, commander. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's it's gross. It's, it's, I don't know, like 30 cents, 40 cents. It's not expensive yeah. to grab. The other nice thing about it is in a deck like this where it's mono black, it can be hard to ramp at times if you don't get the right cards in your draw. This doesn't come in tapped, and I think that's not to be overlooked where a lot of yeah. non-basics like this do. Um, and that can really slow you down early in the game when you're trying to get out your mana rocks, when you're trying to get out little stuff to protect your board state while you're waiting to get your commander out there. And even more rare than enchantment removal, I don't see land removal hardly ever in edh mostly because people hate it and it right. really puts oh, a target on your so head but at the same rate you could play this early game use it for mana and i don't think anybody is going to be able to get rid of it even if they wanted to unless they're sitting on a strip mine and yeah man then you got to choose do i 
get rid of the Field of Ruin, or do I get rid of the Gaia's Cradle, or do I get rid of the Sarah Sanctum out there? What do I do here? Um, so yeah, this is a very interesting card, and I think it couldn't fit this deck any better. Yeah, it's, it's slam dunk for sure. Um, Alright, so we're going to go into the second card here. So this one is Vargoth Bloodsky Sire. That's V-A-R-R-A-G-O-S for those playing the home game. Two colorless and a black legendary creature, Demon Rogue. It is a rare uh, oh. from Call Time. So Death Touch, and then it has Boast. For one colorless and a black, target player searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library <laughs> and puts that card on top of it. Activate this ability if this creature attacked this turn and only once each turn. So I love that this has Death Touch because yeah. you can swing through and oftentimes you will be able to get through and nobody's going to block so you don't have to worry about it dying. Before you ask Big Tuck, there is flavor text. Go ahead and spin that wheel. What do you got? Uh, one second. Hold, please. Uh, this is being read as niv who sounds like a ghoul man. A ghoul man? A ghoul. I am okay. niv ghoul man. I walk through a river of fire to bring death to the paraded. See? All right. Yeah. Uh, so cool little tech you can do with this, especially in this deck. Um, there's a great effect called uh, Myriad. Uh, throw Myriad oh, on God, this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, you get your other two copies swinging. You pay oh, six no. mana. Uh, you can literally <laughs> oh, no. kill <laughs> 30 life. Three creatures. Ooh. Goodbye. Yeah, that's. Didn't even think about Myriad, but I like where you're Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, all right, let's keep on plowing here. This is going well so far. Damn it. it doesn't work. Don't they, oh, enter, don't they enter the battlefield tapped and attacking? Uh, but they yeah, have to bounce immediately. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to sacrifice them immediately. So then Wait. you need another rigmarole where you get rid of the legendary. Question, though if you Myriad it on there, they enter the battlefield tapped and attacking. Do you have time to respond? respond by paying the two mana before they have to get sacrificed no, no unfortunately you only not. get the enter the battlefield effect nah pie in yeah. the sky whatever whatever yeah. what are you gonna do no big deal this card's still a banger in here yeah, it's awesome it's yeah, a ton of use good. does really well 10 life every turn yikes um all right so this card is much more known uh it came out in double masters most recently i believe it's wound reflection but i think you have Oof. to have it in here um oh, yeah. so colorless and a black enchantment it's a rare at the beginning of each end step each opponent loses life equal to the life they lost this turn turns your commander into a doubly threatening motherfucker. Uh, Turns it into double mint gum. And it sure does. This one is going to be uh, read by, I ran it through the number here. It's read by Jessica, which is Gingy, which I think is from Harry Potter. No, Gingy from Shrek. Oh, the gingerbread man. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. The greater the suffering, the sweeter the taste. Wow, yeah, dead on. It's like he was in the room. Uh, <laughs> my gumdrop buttons. This, this card's awesome, and uh, it's a total slam dunk in here. And just for those who are wondering, this is now a affordable card at about $6, because for the Double Masters printing, it was like 20 Yeah. So, yeah, it works. Yeah. I like it. All right. I got two more. The last one I don't even really need to talk about. It's really expensive. So I threw it in as the fifth card just for fun. Uh, last one I'm talking about here. It's a bit of a stretch. I had to throw something sweaty in. Wishclaw Talisman. So, I knew it. This was, oh, this was one. This is one I had. Rare. 
<laughs> wish Claw Talisman enters the battlefield with three wish counters and then one colorless tap, remove a wish counter from Wish Claw Talisman, search your library for a card. Put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. An opponent gains control of Wish Claw Talisman. Activate this ability only during your turn. Ooh, it's just like baiting a line, throwing it out <laughs> in the lake, and waiting for the bass to bite. How much do you want to pay for your swords to plowshares? <laughs> not, not that yeah. much, right? Yeah, I like it. It's just like the big old matzo ball in the middle of the room. You just you don't know what's going on here. Sure, you don't know yeah. if I want to use it. Maybe I try and use it in a pinch, and it, it ends up killing you. Can't I just sleep. Like it can't breathe. Fun. Yeah, this deck needed something a little bit fun because everybody's going to be really freaked out by your yeah. commander and all this damage. So at least give them a choice. Give yeah. them a chance. Got all those modal cards, man. All right, one more card. Costs $35. Can't officially talk about it because I feel bad. It's an elf. Wizard Harry. Ooh. Of course it is. Marlin of the Morn Song. So, oh, oh, yeah. black legendary creature elf wizard Harry. It's a rare. Players can't draw cards at the beginning of each player's draw step. That player loses three life, searches his or her library for a card, puts it into his or her hand, then shuffles his or her library. Good Not going to read the flavor text because this card doesn't actually count. You got to have this in there. Squee yeah. out. I mean, it, it it went up because of opposition agent. Um, you know, what one card that you guys have to have in the deck is scheming symmetry because it's oh, a yeah, single yeah, yeah. black sorcery. Choose two target players. You don't even pick yourself. <laughs> you two, you, two. <laughs> you both go tutor to the top and you both die. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. I think this deck could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think it could actually play pretty decently. It's a bit slow at the gates. You know, you're not going to be an eight, nine or 10 here, but a pretty cool between five and eight, depending how you build it, what kind of money you put in there, what kind of ramp you can get available to you. But at the same rate, it's a deck that I guarantee people are not going to see something similar to very often, and it'll make for very interesting games. So with that, I'll kick it back to the Action 4 News Desk with Mr. Combo and Big Tuck. Thank you for staying with us. And as always, remember the great giveaways from CMD Tower and Level 1 Game Shop by retweeting, subscribing, following, liking, sharing, and placing orders at level1gameshop.com. Another way to support us is head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash CMD Tower. With reward tiers for all the budgets, there is a way that you, the collective, can help. Also, you should head over to our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. We do sell sleeves, playmats, coins, reminder tokens, monarch tokens, and smiles. <laughs> and every purchase you make puts a smile on Mr. Combo because that's one less thing in his gaming area. Mm -hmm. And how? You can stay in touch with your MTG Action 4 News team by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and our website, cmdtower.com. You can communicate directly with our team at cmdtower, at Mr. Combo number 5, all spelled out except for the 5, at Dear Squee, at BigTuck Tweeting, from your MTG Action 4 News team. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good Nixless. <laughs>